Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Hello, 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 friends, fans, familiars. It is I, your host, Nick of Nick's Nerd News, an extravaganza of nerd news and other things sometimes. Hey, anyway, welcome to March, folks. It is March 3rd. March 3rd. It's a wild time we're living in, isn't it? Shit's just flying by. 2020 shit went by at like a snail's pace. 2021, we're going cheetah status, right? Just boom, right into things. But before we zoom right into things, there's just some general housekeeping as as always. But welcome to the show. If you're new here, welcome. I'm, I'm happy you're listening. I hope you enjoy the the rantings and ravings that I have on a weekly basis. If you've been if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. I'm happy to have you as my fan, as a friend, as I consider you a friend. If you're a fan, uh, you know, as much as we can be through a virtual space. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a fun little awkward moment there. But as always, hey, like, share, subscribe, poke, post, uh, you know, send email, click. Forward, however you do things on your preferred platform of choice, you know that's that's what you do. That's what I want you to do. I I hope you you would share me with with your circle. Maybe you don't have a taste for it, but you know someone that does after you listen for the first time or a week. I I don't know what you guys do, but hey, uh, thank you. That's that's what I always like to say. I want to thank you guys before anything because. I, I I don't do this for fame and recognition. I do this to have fun. I do this to give you guys a different perspective on things that maybe you're not gonna get from from the mainstream, uh, and 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 that's that's my goal. So, with that being said, let's get right into today's performance, if you will. And with that, we get right into the video game world. And and today's first story that we're gonna be talking about today is literally a story that happened today within the last couple hours actually to be honest and it's it's about the switch xl as 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 it's been hinted at being called and there's been rumors floating around for quite a while as as we all know about this they started last year uh, that was bloomberg who reported that well now a new report is that this model of nintendo switch should possibly be out this fall I wonder if if that's true. Uh, and it will have a larger screen and actually be 4K capable. But this new one says that it will have a new OLED screen that Samsung will be manufacturing. It will be 7 inches across. Uh, current models of Switch are 6.2 and 5.5 inches, depending on if you have the regular Switch or the Switch Lite. And they have a 720 resolution on those screens. Uh... Oh, sorry, the new one will have 720, which I'm wondering what the old one has. And apparently when it's docked, it will have 4K capabilities, which is a very big improvement over what the current Switch does, which is I think is 1080p. But 
Nothing else is known. Uh, this Bloomberg report says production will start in June of this year. And meaning they're going to start assembling stuff in July. So given everything that's been going on this year, it might be ready for the holidays. Don't be surprised if it gets delayed into next year. Um, you know, I did see some people saying, oh, wa wa watch it drop on the fifth anniversary of the Switch next March, as it's five years from when the Switch originally released in 2017, which would be next March, so a year from this, a year from this month. It'll be interesting to see if that's what actually happens. Now, would I upgrade to an upgraded Switch? Probably not. I don't care that much about 4K on Switch. And, and honestly, none of their games are visually de that visually demanding that they would need to be like stellar in 4K. I'm, I have a Series X. Hopefully by that point I'll have a PS5. Like I I don't I don't I don't see a 4K Switch being something in in demand. If they offer like a trade-in program for my Switch for that, maybe I'll do that towards it, but I don't I don't see myself being in the market for a 4K Switch. And now if you tell me that some of the games we're going to talk about in a little bit are going to be like game like breathtaking on a 4K or in 4K, then maybe you might sway me, but as of right now, not really. And like what's this thing going to cost? Is it still going to cost like 500 bucks? What what? Now the point of the Switch of course, is mobility. Most people don't... It's not really meant to be docked all the time. And a larger screen, I'm not going to care really that much. Are they going to increase the size of the Joy-Cons? Probably not. Let's be realistic here. So, a Switch XL with 4K? In the past, I might have been, like, jazzed about it, but as I really sit here and think about it, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's not... I don't know if it's for me. And things, my mind could be swayed. Who knows? But right now, on March third, twenty twenty one, I could really, I could really care less as right now. Like, there's other things I'd rather have than a giant switch, right? I want a PS five to have for for exclusives. I want a like an Oculus Quest. They're not needs. Neither of those things are needs. I don't need them right away. Wants again. There are other things that are way more important that I should probably be saving money towards. So, again, a, a Switch XL, in, in terms of my life and where I'm at right now, are at the bottom of the list. Six months ago, probably not. But that, that's, that's where I'm at on a potential Switch XL with 4K capabilities. But, I don't know. Anyway, how about this? So, you can't get your hands on a next-gen system, right? And even Nintendo Switches are hard to come by sometimes. Well, it looks like from a new report, the Biden administration, yes, the newly the new presidential administration here in the United States, has signed a new executive order, and it is looking into supply, supply chain issues. Uh, this is per NBC News, and he's looking at the supply chain issues amid the pandemic. It's a 100-day review. Uh, they'll, they will look into vulnerabilities and improvements in supply chains for pharmaceuticals, rare earth minerals, semiconductor chips, and large capacity batteries. So, of course, semiconductor chips are what are what make up next-gen consoles and computers and things like that. 
and it's not an immediate fix. I think most people know that. And, um, if you guys saw the interview with GQ that Jim Ryan, the head of PlayStation did, he talked about how semiconductor shortages is the biggest issue facing PS5 production. So we'll see how this all plays out in, in the future. And if it actually figures out what the problem is, but at the same time, you know, there's reports of, of shipping or container ships like out to sea waiting to get into Long Beach on some crazy ass line for some reason. So hey, that might be the reason too. But if it makes you feel reassured, the government is looking into it, which could go either way, but they're not focused on gaming. So don't get your hopes up. <laughs> uh, also announced American McGee is working on a new project for both TV and video game and a, a hybrid project. So American McGee known of course for his Alice, uh, his Alice in Wonderland games. Well, he's he's uh, coming out with a new Wizard of Oz game and TV style thing, which, of all people, I, th I think he's probably one of the best, best people to adapt this, because he's got that weird sense of style that, that fits with, like, traditional, you know, traditional Wizard of Oz aesthetic. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out, because his... I haven't played his, his Alice in Wonderland games, because... They were not something I was able to purchase at the time for, you know, age restraints and shit like that. And parents wouldn't buy them. But again, just time as well. But they are cool looking games, great games. And and uh, his art style and, and stuff like that, like I said, it will, it will definitely fit to Wizard of Oz more than anything. So that's uh, that's coming in, in the future. Uh, also, uh, we got confirmation, or it's leaked, I guess. So now that Anthem is officially dead, like they're not working on it at all, EA is, is pretty much confirmed that Dragon Age 4 will not have a multiplayer component, and it will be a complete single-player RPG experience, which I'm sure a lot of people are happy to hear, and it won't be multiplayer or contain any multiplayer or anything like that because people want to make sure that there's a lot of stuff that's single player only because they want to make sure that that franchise doesn't go down the shitter. So um, that that's a good thing to hear because EA was starting to ram shit down people's throats on something. So they they got to somehow come back from being voted the worst company in America for a while. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there was a Sony state of play this week and... While it showed off a lot of previously announced things and, and just showed off more gameplay trailers, there were two big news announcements that came out of it. The biggest, of course, being Kenna Bridge of Spirits releasing on August 24th on PS4 and PS5. I'm kidding. That's not the biggest. The biggest news actually out, out of Sony's state of play from this past week was the announcement of Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. It is a Yuffie-centric episode that takes place during the Final Fantasy VII Remake story. It will be PS5 exclusive, and so it can't be played as a standalone and will be exclusive to the PS5. So you have to have Final Fantasy VII Remake, which luckily, if you own it on PS4, you will get the free upgrade to the PS5 um, version uh, when, it, when it gets released. And... It is a separate piece of DLC. It is not coming to PS4. It is optimized for PlayStation 5. And 
So if you own the PlayStation 4 version and you can upgrade to the free version of the game, uh, but you have to purchase the Yuffie episode separately. So you have to purchase Integrate. It will not be free. It's not free DLC. The only thing you get free is the upgrade to the PS5 version. And like I said, uh, so they said, quote, this is from Square Enix. The new episode featuring Yuffie can only be played by either purchasing Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate on PlayStation 5 or by purchasing it separately after completing the free PlayStation 5 Enhancement Upgrade. Um, they also announced a couple other Final Fantasy games that are coming to mobile. And uh, it said it will be playable, so once that all comes out, it will be playable in either Performance Mode, which runs at 60 FPS, or Graphics Mode, which prioritizes 4K resolution on Intergrade. So that is what's coming later this year and i think they said that releases june 10th is when the yuffie episode releases um and speaking of playstation and final fantasy 7 remake we finally got to hear what the ps plus games are this month which is the final fantasy 7 remake on ps4 this version however please be aware this version will not get the free upgrade to the ps5 version just so you guys know uh, also remnant from the ashes will be available this month maquette on the ps5 and this is a first person puzzler game and then for psvr the game farpoint those are all available on playstation plus uh still available all month is destruction all stars on ps5 and of course ratchet and clank from 2016 is available all month long for playstation plus or for playstation owners playstation 4 owners and ps5 owners and we'll stick here with the PlayStation 5 uh, and PlayStation stories here for a second. But uh, it is now rumored that this year, sometime this year, uh, probably by summer, the PlayStation 5 internal storage upgrades will be enabled. This isn't confirmed yet, which I don't understand how this hasn't been done yet. I'm sure people have already filled their PlayStation 5s, and I don't remember if external storage works or not. I don't think it does, if I remember correctly. And this is sources that told P Bloomberg, a firmware patch will ar arrive later this year that will allow players to upgrade internal storage on the console, console with comparable M2 SSD drives. Um, of course, it launched with the expansion slot, but you can't use it right now. Uh, this patch should activate it. Because um, remember, the PS5 launches with 667 gigabytes of storage. And that's not great. Okay, so you can use an external drive, but you can only use it to play and store PS4 games. So, that's really, that's really fucking stupid. Um, it will also help unlock higher cooling fan speeds. So, that will support custom drives and mitigate overheating, which it shouldn't be overheating. So, I don't know. This is, this is all in news because, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Call of Duty Modern Warfare just has ballooned to like 400 gigs almost with everything that they add constantly. I went to, I went to go put it on my, my Series X just to have it so I would have the enhancements. And then I ran out of fucking room because it was like 300 fucking gigs. So Activision is telling people... That if you have a 500 gigabyte PS4 owner, um, 
you're not going to be able to fit Black Ops, Cold War, and Warzone together. That, why? Why is it, and I know you can delete shit, but, like, this is fucking ridiculous. This is out of control, that that game is ballooning. And then, of course, we're going to have another Call of Duty this year. Like, what? What? What is going on over there, Activision? What are you doing? But hopefully people can start expanding the, the memory on their on their PS5s. So I've actually hit my limit on my Series X, I'm, or I'm getting close to it. I have an external. Granted, that's for like my 360, or not 360, that's for my Xbox One and any BC games. But, you know, if I ever want to have them with the Series X enhancements, I got to move them over. And it, it's looking real tempting to buy that expansion card now. I know it's expensive, and I'm going to try and hold out to see if other makers come to market. Because they said others might, other than Seagate. Granted, Seagate's the best, really. But, uh, 220 though? Uh, stiff. It's stiff for a proprietary thing that's not really used on other... Th I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't know if it's worth it yet. For sure. Let's let's have some more X and, and a Series X like main Series X games come out before I really walk down that road. But hopefully, PlayStation owners will have uh, some relief there. Um, that is it for some PlayStation news. We will talk about more in a little bit. Uh, I do want to talk about last week. So every last Thursday, three four three I said that they would put out a like a update on on Halo Infinite and it's it's um progress. I guess it's a blog or a developer update whatever you want to call it. And so it's the last Thursday of every month and this month or February at least this time they decided to focus on the sandbox. Um and they they showed off they showed off screenshots that that gave us a good look at the new night day cycle that they're adding to Infinite. Uh, Joseph Staten, the project lead, who of course worked at, at Bungie on the original Halos and has been a Halo guy for most of his career, uh, said that they're finally creating a sandbox that they kind of Bungie kind of wanted to do with the original Halo. It's not true open world, but it, it's uh, like an FPS. It's a shooter sandbox, I think he called it. So it's 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 like the culmination of everything Halo's been trying to do up until this point. So that, that's a good thing to hear from him. Granted, that's all marketing speak, too. The screenshots they showed off, though, look amazing. The progress on the game is is doing very well. It, it looks um, like... It already looks really good, and it looks even better now. And they also... There's actually a hidden, like, audio file in here, and it features uh, Halsey and Chief talking about Cortana... And her kind of taking over the galaxy with AI. So it's hinting that Halo Infinite will tie in to Halo 5. Remember, this is not a reboot. It's a spiritual reboot, as they call it. So it's allowing people who have been playing forever and know the books and everything that it's going to feel like Halo to them and it will be seamless. But it will also be seamless and easy to, to jump in for newcomers who have never played a Halo game. So it, it's nice that they're continuing from Halo 5, the story, and it's not they're not just chucking that because you, you really can't. But it, it's also allowing a new story to be told with, you know, of course, Zeta Halo and the um, 
oh, what is it? So it's Installation 7, Zeta Halo, and, and the Banished. Sorry, the Banished from Halo Wars 2. So it's it's nice to have everything kind of culminate into one and, and cohesive story. So it's that's nice to see. And I wonder if they'll have the Spirit of Fire show up at all, because that would actually be really cool too. But I'm happy to see that they're not chucking the story from Halo 5. It wasn't great. I, I, I understand. But it's still the story that, that they're telling. So you can't just hand wave it away. So hopefully they... they do it justice and then also do the new campaign justice while while telling this this big overarching story um also we talked about it a bit last week you know the 25th anniversary for of pokemon was friday and we did get a pokemon presents finally we did finally get the announcement of of the shino remakes so gen 4 remakes in the form of brilliant diamond and shining pearl those will release later this year uh, they're not being made by Game Freak, and uh, if you go on the Pokemon Reddit, you know, you'd be surprised. Uh, not a lot of people like the art style they're doing with the remakes, which, when you go back and look at the Gen 3 makes, which is Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, you kind of go and say to yourself, um, what the hell happened here that a game that is newer than Ruby and Sapphire looks like crap in their remake compared to the Ruby and Sapphire remakes? So, the only thing is they're not being made by Game Freak, which is probably part of the reason. They're being developed by ILCA. Game Freak is overseeing it. Um, granted, they have their own director, and then Junichi Musa- Masuda, who is longtime director on, on, on uh, Pokemon, and also the composer, is, is also co-directing. So, hopefully, I think they have some time to clean some stuff up. And I know it said it wasn't final, but it just... It didn't look polished. I will say that. I will agree with that, that it doesn't look polished for a remake of a game. Because technically it's a remake. Otherwise it looks like they just kind of took what... um, They didn't really do a whole lot of work is what it looks like. What's funny is a lot of people online are like... They're like, hey, I fixed it for you. And it's just by adding outlines to the characters and stuff to make make it like look a little cleaner. Because it looks kind of weird but the biggest biggest news out of the the pokemon presents that day was the announcement of a new game this one being developed by game freak it is called pokemon legends arceus so this game will release in early 2022 and it does take place in the shino region so again in the shino region however it is, uh, it's open world, so we're finally getting that open world Pokemon game I've been dying for. However, it is set in the past. So, it, uh, it's open world, like, think of Breath of the Wild. There's going to be wild Pokemon, um, and you can kind of battle in real time. So, let's see, it's, uh, they're claiming for it to break new ground. And you'll have three starters that are from other regions, Rowlet, who's famously from Alola, so Gen 7, Cyndaquil from Gen 2, uh, and, and Johto, and then Oshawott, which is Gen 5, and Unova, which, which, this, this is my question, right? So Unova is based on New York City, or New York, America in general, Alola is based on Hawaii, and of course these games took place after Gen 4, Shino, this game is supposed to be set in, like, feudal Japan, so here, here's here's where I'm confused, right? So are, are these Pokemon 
originally from like Johto and Hoenn. Or not Hoenn. Johto. Well, technically Hoenn. So are they technically originally from like Johto and Kanto and shit? And then they were brought to like the new world in Pokemon and, and became what they were in the later generations as we saw? Or are those regions now known about in feudal times in Pokemon land, right? Anyway, it's it's going to take place in, in feudal, feudal Shino, and Arceus will play into it in, in some way. And from what it looks like is you are going to be building the first, the region's first Pokedex, right? And like I said, it's open world, feudal Japan. Uh, it will be long before the events of Diamond and Pearl, they, they've stated. So it's you're creating the first Pokedex. Uh, they have these old school looking Pokeballs that actually have like clasps on them. It was actually, that was really cool to see. My, my question here though, and, and they said like your, your goal is to like, you can't just catch Pokemon. You have to like learn, learn their habits and shit and you can hide in the tall grass and then you can throw a Pokeball, right? My biggest concern, right, is the battling mechanics because you're obviously not going to be able to it doesn't based off off the gameplay they showed it doesn't look like you're going to be in your in the traditional turn-based battles in Pokemon. It looks like it'll be real-time battles. So like I don't know how you're going to be able to choose moves and stuff. Maybe it'll be like what what they did with like how Kingdom Hearts works and how the newer, you know, uh, Final Fantasy 7 works or Final Fantasy 15 did it as well where it's like you'll have those move sets that are that they'll be button mapped possibly. I'm speculating, obviously. We don't we don't know the truth. But uh, in terms of those two games, it's funny. Every they, they've been putting out polls, and it's like, what are you most excited for? Pokemon Snap, the the Diamond and Pearl remakes, or or Arceus? And it's like everyone's voting Arceus because yeah, they talk about Pokemon Snap too. So let let's talk about some of those Pokemon Snap news that that, that we can talk about now. So I talked about Arceus, and I talked about you know, brilliant diamond and shining pearl. So let, let's talk about some of those new features that are coming to, to Pokemon Snap, though. So now we have a reason for why Meganium is all, like, sparkly and shit on the cover. So uh, there will be photo editing. You will be able to post these photos online in some capacity, which is which is really cool because we don't really have that on a Pokemon game now. I mean, there's limited stuff in, in Pokemon Go and Sword and Shield, but this is, like, full-on, like you would get... In a lot of modern games with photo modes, where you can add stickers and and filters and things like that, uh, you can you can put them online for people to rate on. You can you can get featured by the developers if they like it, and you can earn stuff in game. Uh, you will also be scored on shots depending on pose, size, direction, placement, and Pokemon in the background and stuff like that. Uh, you get illumine. Illumina orbs, which are the ones that make Pokemon start to glow, so you can get their elemental effects to change to get better pictures. Like there was one where they gave one to a Pokemon that with fire moves, and the fire changed color. Um, you can fill a photo deck, so you can get different rated photos for different Pokemon. Uh, there's going to be apples again. You can throw fruits. You can play melodies. You'll get all different things from different Pokemon. So there's a lot of replayability, which is the point of the game. Um, we still don't know a story. It looks like Celebi will be in the game. Uh, but the game's out in two months, right? So April 30th. So I'm sure we'll learn more as we get closer and closer to release. 
And of course, part of the festivities, it wasn't part of the Pokemon Presents, but of course we got our virtual Post Malone concert that... I, I, <laughs> uh, it was cool, but poorly executed because it was like a... It was all animated. It was all animated, right? But like his lip movements were not synced to him singing. So it was very awkward and just weird in general. But it was really cool. It was him singing uh, his cover of I Only Want to Be With You, you know, by the Black Crows. Or, is that the Black Crows? No. Hootie and the Blowfish, sorry. You know, I only want to be with you. But, like, to put a Pokemon spin on it, they actually played, like, the theme from Ecritique City from Gold and Silver. So, like, it was a Pokemon spin, barely. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. It was... It was it was interesting, to say the least. It was a good cover. Don't get me wrong. It was a really good cover. Post Malone is a very good artist. I used to not like him. But as he started doing less rap and more, like, singing stuff, you could see his real talent come out. And and after they did that, they actually announced Pokemon 25, the album, which will come out later this year with uh, 14 Pokemon-inspired songs by some of the top artists, new and upcoming and also established. So... Obviously, that song by Post Malone will be there. And then also, uh, Katy Perry will have a song. Jay Blavin and a couple other people will be featured on this album that will release later this year. And the songs will also all be released throughout the year before the album. So we'll see how that turns out. I don't know. If, if this is anything to go by, uh, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> Like I said, it's not a bad cover. It's actually a really good cover. It's just, it wasn't very Pokemon-y. Other than the fact that they, like, slipped in the Ecritique City theme in a few places. Like, that that's it. So, who knows. So, uh, moving on, anyway, from Pokemon. So, 25th anniversary. The Sinking City. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of this game. It's a very, uh, it's, um, what's his name? I can't think of his name now. The guy who created Cthulhu. H.P. Lovecraft, that's who it is. So the Sinking City, game made by Frogwares, has said that don't buy our game on Steam. <laughs> yeah, a company is telling you to not buy their game on Steam. So Frogwares has accused um, a licensee, Nikon, Nikon of, of, of selling a pirated version of the game from another licensee on Steam. So they, they, they are saying that Nacon made uh, changes and modified the game and are selling a version of the game that they were not licensed because it's like an Ultimate Edition with like DLC and stuff. And they said in a blog post, Frogware says that the one that was put into Steam in late February by Nacon was not one given to them by the team. Uh, it's a licensed version that they gave to GamesPlanet.com. And they, I guess, made changes to it for for doing this. This is wild. Now people are saying that the sync, that Frogwares is behind it. And it's not them. Uh, they filed a DMC takedown request with Steam to get its game removed from the store. And I, I don't know. The, so luckily Steam has delisted it though, and that's funny. So the, the publisher, Nacon, 
is saying that the version on Steam is, quote, an official and complete version, unquote, and that it's it's not fra- what Frogwares is claiming. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to side with the developers here, p- folks, and not the publisher, especially if they're a licensee. Very strange things are afoot. Very strange things indeed. <laughs> That's funny. Um, also, update on Terraria, which is now finally is coming to Stadia. As the developers stated that after help from fans and other people, that the developers were able to get access to their Google account again. Google reached out and apologized and helped them. And I, I don't, I don't know the whole situation. They didn't even say what happened or what the cause was yet, but. Uh, they were able to get everything figured out, and their boycott of Google uh, will now end if you guys were looking to play Terraria on Stadia and any of their other future games. Um, Also, you know what? There is some more PlayStation news. Uh, Today, like sporadically, they announced several new PSVR games. Now, many of them of little consequence, but Doom 3 is coming to PSVR. Yeah, Doom 3 from, like, 2004. Like, of all games to come to VR, Doom 3? Like, why not even Doom 2016? Or Doom Eternal? Doom 3? And boom, I was right, it was 2004. Heck yeah. And then today, or was this yesterday? So yesterday, PlayStation announced that they will be discontinuing uh, the ability to purchase movies and TVs on the PlayStation Store. And rentals. Movie t- movie and TV show purchase and rentals. Which, little weird. I, I don't see why. Granted, their storefront is a joke. But it's not very user-friendly compared to some other interfaces. Don't get me wrong, Xboxes wasn't great either for a while. But in a, in a PlayStation blog, it says, quote, we no longer... We will no longer offer movie and TV purchases and rentals through PlayStation Store as of August 31st, 2021, unquote. Uh, This is apparently because there's been some kind of tremendous growth from PlayStation fans using, quote, subscription-based and ad-based entertainment streaming services, unquote. So after the August 31st deadline, you guys will, you will still have access to anything that you purchased, um across your devices and you know what this is kind of hints at you know their their PlayStation 5 remote that has Disney Plus, Netflix, Spotify and YouTube on it, you know, because I it's like a media remote, but I, I don't I don't know. It's apparently it's quote to further enhancing the entertainment experience on the PlayStation, which I don't see how that works and Oh, I don't know, maybe it's because their hard drive is so small and they don't want people filling it. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I rent, I've rented a lot of movies on, on my Xbox. I've purchased a lot of movies, mainly because now it's part of movies anywhere. So I, I get access to them anywhere if I buy it there. And I don't think the PSN store had movies anywhere connectivity. So that could be part of it. But I'm actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm I'm actually really surprised by this. It It does not make any sense to me. And now that you think about it, I don't think it's going to go away on Xbox because it's part of Microsoft Movies and TV. So, I mean, if you buy it on your Windows 10 PC. I saw a lot of snarky-ass comments on different websites like, oh, yeah, people don't buy movies anymore. They 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 torrent it. I'm like, no, not every fucking person torrents shit. Like, no, that's just not, no. 
And, and uh, I saw a lot of legitimate people saying like, well, not everything's on streaming services. So, you know, you do go to rent and stuff. And that's true. Like you can't rent everything. You can't stream everything on those. So it, it makes sense. But uh, I'm, I, I, it's really shocking to me that, that they're going to get rid of it. I guess people will just go to the Google Play stuff that I think you can play through PlayStation um, or Vudu or Prime Video, the different apps, of course. And uh, like I said, I use it on my Xbox, so I hope it doesn't go away there. It probably won't because, like I said, if it ties in with, with, with their, their PC and they use it on and it's part of the Windows ecosystem, I, I don't see it going away, but it's... It's interesting for for Sony to do it because they own a movie studio, right? Like it's it's even stranger <laughs> in that regard. But I I guess maybe people don't buy movies on their PlayStation. I don't know. And then last bit of gaming news today: uh, AMD announced their new mid range graphics cards, the new Radeon RX sixty seven hundred XT. This is meant to compete with the new NVIDIA thirty sixty Ti. Uh, this will release on March 18th for $479, uh, and it, it is meant to like be high output for 1440 and 1080p, so it might be able to run 4K, but it's not like your high-end graphics card. It is a, a mid-range um, graphics card meant to compete with the 3060. Uh, but that's it for gaming news today, so let's let's go on down to the silver screen. Or is that how? Uh, that's, that's movies. Anyway, to your to the TV. The boob tube. I haven't said that one on here in a while. Uh, we got some news. Not a whole lot of TV going on today. Uh, but we got a new announcement for a new Transformers animated show that will be coming to Nickelodeon, of all places. It's going to be... It's dubbed a action comedy, whatever that means. Um, and it's about a new race of Transformers trying to make their way between Autobots and Decepticons. Which I don't see this series lasting, unfortunately. But yeah, in, in tandem with Hasbro and Nickelodeon, and it will be premiere on Nickelodeon first before everywhere else. So you heard it here, folks. <laughs> uh, also coming to Amazon is a live action, so sticking with the Hasbro world here, uh, a live action Lady J program. So Lady J based on the G.I. Joe character. We don't know, though. We don't know if this is going to tie into the movies, you know, with The Rock and stuff like that, uh, where, what's her name? Uh, Adrian Palacki played her, uh, or if this will be a new take and a new new actress entirely. But that is coming to Amazon. Um, also, we got an announcement. We're getting a Terminator anime on Netflix. Yeah, Terminator. Of all things, of all things, a Terminator anime. Like, what are they? What's it even going to be about? What's it even going to look like? We don't even know yet. Terminator anime. Um, over on Disney Plus, uh, we have gotten a new cast announcement for uh, the Obi Wan show. Indira Varma, uh, most famously known for playing Iliara Sand on Grand Game of Thrones, has joined the cast of the Obi Wan show in an undisclosed role. With me leading to her playing some Denzian of of Tatooine, obviously, or Denizen, Denzian or Denizen, someone on Tatooine. I'm wondering if she's if they're adapting the story from John Jackson Miller in some capacity, uh, that's legends now. But there was a uh, like a farmer, a moisture farmer that Obi-Wan befriends. It's a woman. I wonder if she'll be playing a character like her. But we'll know sooner as that show starts filming in 
a very short amount of time. Also, over at Fox, we've had two season renewals for The Simpsons. Fox has announced that they've renewed The Simpsons for seasons 33 and 34, meaning the show will be on until at least 2023. And they, it's already the longest running like sitcom or scripted sitcom or scripted show, primetime show. So they're actually going to hit 700, yes, 700 episodes in May, I think. And this new renewal brings it a total to 757 episodes. 757 episodes of The Simpsons by the end of the, by, by at least the 34th season in 2023. How nuts, how nuts is that, man? That's wild. So what that means is uh, season 33 would be fall 21, spring 22, and then uh, fall 22, spring 23 is season 34. Um, Also, we got news that Superman and Lois has been renewed for a season two just a week after premiering. That's pretty wild. Granted, they probably want to get production underway uh, as soon as possible. Um, And then before we talk about the Flash and WandaVision, the Section 31 Star Trek show, which was going to be a spinoff of Discovery and Star Michelle Yeoh, which now with everything coming to light about Star Trek in general and granted her character arc in Season 3 of Discovery, it was kind of not making sense on what that show would be about or how it would take place. Um, but according to Alex Kurtzman, who's kind of like in charge of Star Trek at CBS or Paramount or whatever you want to call it these days, Uh, Looks like that show isn't totally official, like not all parties have signed on the dotted line. So don't expect the Section 31 show to air anytime soon uh, in the Star Trek universe, or Worlds of Star Trek, or whatever they're calling it. I don't remember what they're calling their universe anymore these days. They just came out with a new thing. Um, But be on the lookout for that. Uh, And then, so yeah, so I want to talk about WandaVision. Uh, before that, I do want to talk about the Season 7 premiere of The Flash. Uh, so we're very late in the game for, for a Flash episode, uh, for a premiere at least. Normally this is when like their mid-season break would be ending. And we didn't even get a typical season premiere, because this is technically an episode that was supposed to be part of Season 6. And granted, you know, production halted on Season 6 before they could finish. But uh, interestingly enough, it's, it's, it's kind of weird coming back into things. Uh, that are like a storyline from a previous season because like you're expected to know some people, but then people that you expect to be there are gone and then you forget storylines and it, it's weird as a season opener. I will say that overall it was a good episode and definitely uh, changes pace for for the season going forward for season seven because in season six barry was losing his speed and then they started to create an artificial speed force and now we learn it needs a battery and well spoilers but we lose a harrison wells or maybe all of the harrison wells if if you know the flash universe so it's interesting to for sure to see how this will affect team flash moving forward um, also, it was weird because Caitlin and Cisco were not in this episode at all, and now I have to kind of go back and remember where they were at the end of of the last season. Uh, so it's 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 interesting how that will play out. Mirror Master as a villain is is uh, Ava McCulloch is is turning out to be a very good big bad overall big bad. 
I'm excited to see what they're writing, what the writing they're doing with her is. And also what will be interesting to see moving forward is how it will work without Ralph Dibney, or at least without, um, I forget the actor's name, but obviously he was fired for some, some insensitive tweets. But it will be interesting to see how they work their way around that, considering Sue Dibney is going to be in the show still. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. I'm excited, though, with, with where Season 7 is going. It was a little more lighthearted than it has been in the past, but it was definitely a, an overall a good, good season premiere for The Flash. And now let's go from DC Comics to Marvel Comics. We'll talk about WandaVision here. Whoa, that was a doozy of an episode. So, of course, this week is the season finale, uh, possibly series. We don't know if it's getting a season two. But we go back through Wanda's life with Agatha, um, who... It starts off with this really cheesy opening of Agatha in, like, old Salem, Massachusetts, and, like, stealing the magic of other witches and shit, and it just... I don't know. Like, it'd be weird in a Marvel movie if, if it was on the big screen. But... From there, we learn more about Agatha, obviously, that she stole a lot of witches' power. And then uh, we go back to her basement and learn that she's put a lot of different spells in. And she's jealous of Wanda, so she's not necessarily her enemy, but she's trying to figure out who Wanda is and how Wanda has all these powers that we didn't know about. And we go back through memory lane with Wanda. We actually go back to her childhood in Sokovia. We learn... Why she likes old TV shows. Um, we learn that Wanda had possibly had magic as a child before interacting with the Mind Stone, like pre-Age Voltron. And then we also learn that the Mind Stone, like, gave a vision to Wanda. Granted, this is kind of, this is somewhat retconning, but like the the Hydra Techs didn't know what was going on, but Wanda had this vision of it, what looks like a silhouette of, of the Scarlet Witch outfit. And it comes to we come to learn, because Agatha ends up calling her the Scarlet Witch, we end up learning that that's a title now. It's not necessarily like a made-up superhero name, but it's some mythical title that has to do with chaos magic, which, again, from the comics, and the ability to create something out of nothing. So I don't know how shit's going to play out next week, or this week on the finale, but... Some wild shit went down for sure in this very Wanda and Agatha-centric episode that aired last week. But we'll see how it all ends on Friday. Uh, that's it for TV news. Let's move on to movie news here. Uh, so we got our first trailer for Pixar's Luca, which releases this year. It's a Italian-themed movie uh, on the Amalfi Coast, I think it was. About, like, sea monsters that come to experience life on land and hide out. And it looks it looks really fun and looks really cool. And because it's Italian, I'm super stoked. But that that trailer's online now if you guys want to check it out. Uh, also, so there's two George R.R. R. Martin adaptations in the works, uh, film-wise. The first of which is uh, called In the Lost Lands. And it's going to be directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. And of course, star his wife, Mila Jovovich. Jovovich, however you want to say it. Uh, Dave Bautista will also be in the film. Um, that one's like a more sci-fi-esque uh, fantasy one. And then the other, and the other is being directed by Gore Verbinski. Yes, the same Gore Verbinski who directed the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And uh, that one is called Sand Kings, and it's going to be for Netflix. 
So two more George R. R. Martin adaptations coming. What a world to be alive. <laughs> um, also news, Neil Blomkamp has confirmed that he is working on District 10. Yes, a sequel to District 9, his, his alien sci-fi hit film from 2009. Another one with Charlto, Charlto, Charlto Copley, you know, fucking prawns in South Africa over Johannesburg. That's a terrible, terrible South African accent. South Africa, you fucking prawns, fucking prawns. Anyway, <laughs> um, they are returning to write the script. I just hope that it won't be a letdown because District 9 was so good. And then all his follow-up movies just tended to be just kind of like meh, like meh. I don't know. I just, I have high hopes for District 10 though, because I really like District 9. Uh, also, the Division movie, the Tom Clancy's The Division, you know, the one based on the game that's starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, they, they lost their most recent director, David Leitch, who directed Deadpool 2 uh, for scheduling reasons. Uh, he's being replaced with um, Rawson Marshall Thurber, who is known for directing comedies. So it's kind of weird that he's directing a, like an action movie here. Uh, he directed, he wrote and directed Dodgeball, a great comedy. Uh, he directed Where the Millers, another really good movie. And let me let me pull up some of his other films that are actually really funny, and I'm sure you've seen them. I can't type today, but he wrote and directed Dodgeball. He directed Where the Millers. He wrote and directed Central Intelligence, a hilarious movie with The Rock and Kevin Hart. He wrote and directed Skyscraper, which I have yet to see, but I know it wasn't um, wasn't considered the best film uh, of 20, uh, 2018. So I will say that. That was mainly for the, like, the Chinese audience, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I just... that I don't know if he's the best director. I guess Skyscraper was his first like action movie, so we'll see. It could work, it could not work. Um, also, uh, in more news relating to Superman, uh, Warner Brothers, I think Warner Brothers released this, or it got leaked, but I honestly don't know what's going on with the Superman franchise anymore, and Warner Brothers keeps dropping the ball, but apparently they're moving forward with a J.J. Abrams-produced reboot being written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is a known author and activist, and, and this is reportedly going to be about a black Superman, which is not unheard of. Uh, Black Superman does exist in the multiverse. But this is my question. JJ's been proven to be a fucking, like, person to kill your franchise, as we've seen lately now with Star Trek and uh, Star Wars. I don't want JJ within 10 feet of anything that I love. The only thing saving this is Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is a great writer. He's also written a lot of Black Panther comics. And it could inject some life into Super- Superman's just a hard character in general, right? I think everyone's accepted the fact that he's too powerful, right? So it, it's hard. It's hard to write a good movie around him that people don't hate. <laughs> and you can't go too campy and you can't go too, like, serious. And it's just, it's weird. It's weird. But let's see what Todd Nahisi Coates does with the character. And if it is a black Superman, let's see what they do with... I, I can't think of what his, his alter ego is. But he becomes the president and he's he's in the multiverse. So maybe they, maybe they go that route. And at least Henry is still 
Superman in the Prime universe for a while. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons reboot movie is moving right along, and more and more people have been cast, including now Hugh Grant has been cast as the villain. I remember a couple years ago he said he was going to like slow down on acting, but he seems to be ramping up again quite a bit, and it would be nice to see him as a villain. You don't see him do a villain very often, so it will be cool to see how he chews up scenery for sure. Um, we also got news today for casting-wise on Disney Plus's live-action Pinocchio film, and I'm not digging it, really. Um, every Pretty much everyone is fine. Like I love the idea of Tom Hanks as, as Geppetto, which we've known. Uh, Cynthia Erivo, who is a really great actress, is going to be the Blue Fairy. Keegan-Michael Key will play Honest Tom, Honest John, the fox that like tricks Pinocchio. But this is where I don't like. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has been cast as Jiminy Cricket. Look, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's a good actor, right? I just... You want someone with, like, gravitas. Someone with, like, elegance and poise to be in that role. Like Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen or... Um, um, Gary Oldman or someone. Not not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, he's not the person to play Jiminy Cricket. I'm sorry. It's just... He's not the person. Just, I don't... That I don't I don't agree with. I just don't agree or like that. That. But... Um, and then also, a couple more things to talk about. Uh, it was announced today that Black Adam is expected to start shooting next month with The Rock. So the, the not sequel, but side movie to Shazam. And then also we got screen or screenshots. We got uh, pictures, set pictures leaked from Thor: Love and Thunder, showing Melissa McCarthy dressed up as Hela, along with Matt Damon's Loki and uh, um, what's his name? Um, why can't I think of his name? Al, uh, uh, plays Alan Grant in Jurassic Park, and I can't uh, think of his name. Anyway, as Od uh, as as Odin, but the like in Thor Ragnarok, where there's that play when when Thor comes back from uh, Muspelheim, is that Muspelheim? One of the Heims, um, and Loki is pretending to be Odin, and he comes back and he's watching like a play of Thor two play out with Matt Damon as Loki, but it looks like Melissa McCarthy's going to be playing Hela, and I am all for it. To get a sequel to that scene, I am all fucking for it. That is going to be fucking great. That's for damn sure. That will be hilarious to see. I, for one, cannot wait to see that. Thor, Thor Love and Thunder is going to be good because Taika Waititi is a great director. And I, I just... It's going to be so good. Um, but before we, we wrap things up, uh, the Golden Globes were this past weekend and did not go over well from, from what I could hear and see. Uh, I just wanted to go over some of the bigger wins. Uh, Soul won Best Animated Film. Uh, Best Limited Series was The Queen's Gambit, which I now really need to watch. Schitt's Creek won Best Comedy, no surprise there. The Crown but won Best TV Drama. Best Director, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Nomadland actually won Best Drama. Now, why this is important is Chloe Zhao is directing the... Uh, the um, uh, the Eternals movie for Marvel took <laughs> took me a while, and um, so that that's a big big thing to have under her belt. So that 
that means expectations for Eternals are just going to get ramped up now. So keep that in mind. Uh, best comedy film was Borat 2. So, I need to watch that movie now. I, I don't know why I haven't yet. but And then, like I said, Nomadland won Best Drama under Chloe Zhao. So Eternals hype is going to get dialed up to 11 for sure now. And then final bit of, of news in general is Comic-Con is canceled this year. Uh, they will be going digital only once again. Uh, so don't get your hopes up for any major convention just yet here in San Diego. Um, the organizers announced today that it will be all digital once again in 2021 and that it will be back and better than ever in 2022. Uh, but with that, it is the end of this week's episode of Nixter News. Thank you guys for listening. As always, I enjoy your company, even though I can't really see you or hear you. <laughs> but I, I enjoy bringing my opinion to y'all every week and I appreciate you. I really do. And you know what, and, and I, I would love if you share your opinions with me, you guys can go and rate and review and talk to me through my website, nixnerdnews.com, where you can always, of course, listen to the show right in your browser, or you can find links to our Spotify, Google podcast or Apple podcast pages. So that way you can listen to us on the go. Uh, you can like subscribe, share there as well. Also, while you're on our website, check out our social media tab where you can find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. We post funny memes that I like to find online that I want to share with you all. And if you prefer, just look for Nixner News. If, if you don't have any, if you have one social media, you prefer over the others. Um, but they're all there in one handy-dandy place. And otherwise, I will catch you guys on the flip side. I love that kind of like open-ended. I will catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good week.